to One Shot, One Quill, a podcast you. where we take tabletop fantasy ideas and we, we take them away from being ideas and we jam them into our little little transmogrifier and we turn them into better ideas. We turn them into ideas. Welcome to the Idea Nest. Can we call, is, it too, is it too late to change the show name? This is more of an idea smithy where we take things that are already a thing and turn them into a different thing but of a form that might be more usable is thought forge a bad name like does that I could you read that in tank. like the bad kind of thought i think that's a political think tank mm, you yeah you're probably right could we just do that instead yeah uh this is a podcast in which we take one prompt and two magic items we randomly select them based off of suggestions from listeners and we mush them together and try to make a one-shot idea out of them. Ben, where do we get most of those suggestions from? Where do we want them to come from? Uh, well, we want them at our Twitter, which is at Pod on Twitter. Put these ideas into your mind. Uh, just jiggle them around. Think about what you could suggest. And then go to Twitter at the end when we say it again and... Uh, don't complain. That's the number one thing. If you complain, I will cry. But do give us more ideas. We could use a few more, to say the least. I'd say we have a bizarre ratio of five premises left and 52 items to go through. I get that one is easier than the other, but we're getting ratioed hard. I, I don't think that's what that means. No, I'm pretty sure that's what that means. Ratioed is a is an internet term for when one thing's bigger than another. Like Dwayne The Rock Johnson ratios Kevin Hart. I can't argue with that, honestly. Ben, we normally have guests. What yeah. happened this week? Uh, well, everybody told us to screw off. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I called Jack and the first words out of his mouth were no. Fuck you. Yeah, no, I hung up. I sent Evan a text and he said, who is this? And I said, we've known each other for years. And he said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, he dropped the act very quickly. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping it would it would be a bit of a back and forth. You'd think he would gaslight you for longer, but he tried one text and then he just gave up the whole thing. Um, yeah, no, Brittany left me. It's been 12 <laughs> years, but she she left me um, mm. after after one episode of this. And I cannot blame yeah, her in mean, the slightest. If I wasn't a host, I'd leave you over this, too. Uh, yeah, except we're in a Sisyphus <laughs> bargain <laughs> that's that's locked us together by fate. You want one of them rolls? <laughs> I would love one of them rolls. Why don't we start with the premise? Give me a give me a one out of five. Uh, thanks. I know how this show works. <laughs> a two is what we got. I say that to remind myself. A local town is living in fear of a cave full of goblins. While the town has never been attacked by these goblins thus far, they're still terrified of a raid impending, so they draw straws and send the loser to be captured by the goblins as an offering. Okay, so we've got okay. uh, a couple ways we could go with this. Now, let me just say, this already seems like a classic case of, is this quest giver bad? <laughs> this is a case where quest giver bad, I feel, right off the bat. I should also mention... Uh, shout out to Andy, uh, a, a oh. key contributor to many Faustian yeah, podcasts. Pretty much everything uh, you do. Pretty much everything. I I, I, think I was should... about to say I was about to say he didn't do Blunder Phonics. He did pitch an idea to mm. cover the Macarena Christmas special, which I haven't done yet, but I will. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you again, Andy. So a local town living in fear of goblins. Uh, they've not been attacked yet, but they keep sending off village members as like a sacrifice to just hope a raid doesn't happen in the meanwhile. 
Um, now, and it, it sounds like we they've conscripted some adventurers like, listen, we know this isn't sustainable. There's only 50 of us left. I, I like the idea of uh, the, this is the first person they've sent, but they're trying to trick the adventurers into thinking that they were kidnapped by the goblins so that the adventurers go and kill the goblin. Because, That's an idea. Because, yeah. again, quest giver bad. It sounds like something that happened on the the Native American front in colonial times, I feel. I'm pretty sure that was a gambit. Like, John Smith, help. I, I do think that Ted's might been have been. has been out for 15 minutes. you got to kill all of the Native Americans. That might have been at least six quests in Red Dead Redemption. So uh, do we want some magic items on this? I would love some magic items. I feel like that's going to yeah. really spruce things up. Uh, first of all, we have a 13. We have a 13. Okay. A 13 is a chained whip, which once attuned, cuffs whatever it hits and will only open if willed by the attuned character. Okay. That's pretty dope. That's just cool. I don't know if we can yeah, make it's... any jokes about that. You're... No, that one's just fucking cool. <laughs> the characters just have a... It's a Belmont cop whip. I mean, like... it's just cool. <laughs> it is just cool. <laughs> uh, why don't you roll me another one? Yeah, they've got this Indiana Jones... Uh, a handcuff whip and they've also got a number eight a number eight okay number eight is a ramshackle fishing pole which casts up to 25 feet requires all but the user to fail a dc 10 perception check otherwise they become fixated on the lure and must approach it to observe on their next turn this effect only works on someone once every 24 hours um this sounds like the fishing pole out of Twilight Princess when used on Ganondorf. Like, like this is your one free flashbang for the day. Like, okay. So um, I, I'm into it. Going I'm into in, it. Going in as major cops, uh, you got a whip that's handcuffs and a fishing pole that's a flashbang. It also works, uh, I think, in the hands of the goblins. Uh, uh, pretty funny if like they've been using this to procure food in the hands of the villagers. The town watch is using that to, I don't know, capture a, a scouting goblin that's passing by. So are, are we going with the idea of the town has sent first guy in to be kidnapped as a sacrifice so that the adventurers will go in and take out the goblin fort? I think that's fair. They're using him to bait empathy from the players and convince the, the party that the goblins are savages that will attack any minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they, maybe this is a whole scheme by uh, someone in the town where they sent the yeah. guy willingly. The guy thought that he was going to, you know, establish a trade network or something. But th this has been this whole masterminded scheme where <laughs> get out the board and the red string, Spencer. So you have, <laughs> okay, okay. It's you up, have it's up. the mayor. Tack. He's he's the bad guy. Okay. He's sent Jargis. Uh, red line, red line, tack. Uh, Jargis is just a guy, but he sent Jargis there to negotiate a peace with the goblins. But spoiler, mm -hmm. the mayor didn't think that that was going to go over well. Jargis has really been a ploy so that the mayor can contract the barkeeper out to send some uh, adventurers out to the goblin fortress. They're going to see that Jargis has been killed, and then they will kill the goblins. Also, Jargis is the now, mayor's daughter's husband, and the oh, mayor hates Jargis. 
and hopes okay. he dies. Now that answers one question of why poor fucking Jargus got the short end of the stick, mm-hmm. quite literally, in in this drawing of straws. But why why does he need the goblins dead? Does, does the mayor have another outside vendetta against the goblins as well? Mm, I think he has to. Now that you've mentioned it, maybe um maybe maybe the mayor you know he's got his fingers in a few pies. Maybe he's like a merchant as well. Maybe he hires out a merchant company. And maybe he lost one of his caravans uh, over in the area. And he's damn certain after hiring a scout that it's those damn goblins. Because, like, maybe they're they're not, maybe the goblins aren't even that close to the town. That's why they're not even a concern. Okay. Um, and so he's really going out of his way to convince his town that there is a goblin threat. Convince the adventurers there's a goblin threat. And also, just fuck Jargus and what he's doing to his sweet daughter, Tabitha. Mm-hmm. Well, he's making Tabitha do all the work. He's a freeloader. Is Jargus actually just a shithead? Jargus Does he is have a this shithead coming in some way? and he thinks he's been professing this entire time that there could be peace between the town and the goblins. And the mayor ain't going to have any of that. Okay. He and also so, are, are, sells the goblins weapons. Wow. Okay. Or maybe okay. That, that doesn't make much sense. He has his hand in the weapon trade in the town. So he wants okay. the goblins to be wiped out, but not totally wiped out. I like the idea that I threw out earlier, uh, and let me know what you think of this, of the goblins being docile. Yeah. Like, they I, really aren't a threat to anybody. I think that's good. So what, maybe the the mayor does hate the goblins, because he's convinced they took his weaponry. Mm-hmm. Um, the mayor did lose a, a caravan, and it was coincidentally near where a goblin tribe happens to live. Now, what actually killed the the caravan? Maybe it's an insurance fraud scheme. I like God, that this, this is just, just layers and layers. The mayor hired out bandits to steal all of the stuff from the caravan because he has insurance <laughs> on the caravan. Oh but he then said that it was the goblins who did it. And the insurance is like, well, if you want your insurance money, you got to take out the goblins. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, the, the insurance company, the insurance guild that he's going through uh, needed proof of what happened. Why couldn't he just say bandits did it? Because, because he paid because, the bandits to do it? Because then an auditor would come in and see that he had paid the bandits. Because he keeps a ledger and he does very honestly write down... 20 gold lost in wages to bandits. Okay. I, I All right. Think, I like it. I think I like an it. important character in this is the auditor. There's a guy who's <laughs> auditing for the insurance company. And that's, if you figure this all out, after you take, you can either, you know, go and kill the mayor because you're murderers, or you could just report this all to the auditor. And he's like, his premiums are going to skyrocket. I'm on track. I'm on track here. So let's start talking about the goblins. Okay. What's going on over in their camp? What are they all about? Who are they? Um, they're docile. That's yeah. not usual for a pack of goblins. What's what's the story there? Hmm. I mean, I kind of want it to just be a pacifist cult. Or maybe they're cowards. Maybe it's just a bunch of cowards. I don't think goblins take kindly to cowards. Hear me out. Okay. There is a um, there is a type of goblin I encountered once when reading through. It was either Volos or the Monster Manual. But have you heard of a Nilbog? That's goblin spelled backwards. It is goblin spelled backwards. A trivia fact that I lifted from the movie Troll 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never would have known this otherwise. 
<laughs> a Nilbog is a it's a trickster goblin. It's a goblin that is specifically possessed by a trickster spirit. Okay. Um, which results in, and I kid you not, results in a condition known as Nilbogism. <laughs> a possessed goblin um, was a prankster and a a impish creature capable of affecting the behavior of those surrounding it and sowing chaos among its allies and enemies alike. Now, I think in that spirit, Nilbogs tend to become feared. Um, Nilbogs are are viewed as a very powerful kind of creature among other goblins, but a Nilbog can pretty quickly like get a stranglehold over the community because everyone else is terrified of it. Okay. Not unlike not unlike that little boy who had the special mind powers from that Twilight Zone episode. Mm. I'm throwing 50 bizarrely specific references yeah. out and hoping someone <laughs> catches one of them and follows us on Twitter and subscribes <laughs> to the podcast. I'm going to I'm going to tag this as Trolls 2. Uh, 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 Twilight Zone. Trolls 2, not the movie. Well, I mean the Correct. movie, but not the movie you're thinking of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Twilight Zone. Uh, Mayor not Bad. the hit movie of 2020. <laughs> uh, yeah, so is it like one Nilbog? I'm thinking, yes, a Nilbog um, has taken hold of this goblin tribe because for a large part, goblins will be goblins. And while they might want to resort to uh, raiding and looting and all this, I think the Nilbog has convinced them, because this Nilbog is a coward, <laughs> this Nilbog has convinced them that raiding and looting, not worthwhile. This Nilbog does not want to die and does not want to draw attention <laughs> from literally anybody. So, and so he's gone on this long tirade of how pacifism is going to be their way forward. I think he's accidentally just introduced polite society to the goblins because he doesn't want to get killed by a human. Is the way they figure this out, do they just fight through the goblins until they encounter the Nilbog? I think the minute they enter into the camp, none of the goblins are going to want to fight back. So, like, maybe the party is going to enter this camp, and I think it'd be hilariously tragic if, like, you describe it. It appears there are two goblins standing on guard. And just when you rush in to kill them, they do not do anything. They, If anything, they just sound terrified. <laughs> you see goblins uh, uh, arming themselves with crude spikes and pitchforks. Um, and then once you rush into melee distance and kill them, you realize they were farming. They were just, they were in the middle of farming. They That's were getting wheat ready. That's an easy mistake to make, though. I cannot tell it you is. how many times I've been driving through the Midwest where I'm just driving down the road. And then I see a guy who's brandishing a pitchfork. And I'm like, I got to murder him. And then when the cops come, they're like, that was just a farmer. This is his farm. And I'm like, damn it. Not again. That's my thought, is that these goblins are... Uh, <laughs> Being convinced that pacifism is the way to go. So the minute you get like 10 feet into the uh, camp, I'm sure the Nilbog's going to step out mm -hmm. and uh, and probably start doing his Nilbog shit. Allow me to double check if Nilbogs are actually a valid threat in combat. Uh, CR1, so not really. I'd have to imagine that the Nilbog, the moment the adventurers step into the, uh, into the encampment, his concern has probably become... I'm going to fuck with these guys. <laughs> and so and so just as they're going through, they, you know, they walk up and they pull out their sword and it's actually a toilet paper roll or some shit. <laughs> Very interesting. If I'm reading this correctly on the Nilbog stat block, or at least on its description anyway, when struck by any harmful attack, a Nilbog will instead heal. Moreover, any attempt to harm a Nilbog risks the attacker falling victim to Nilbogism. <laughs> 
becoming compelled to praise the Nilbog instead of attacking it. Adventurers might feel compelled to hand over all their possessions to a Nilbog. A Nilbog will, however, refrain from using its powers if it receives constant praise and respect from others. I'm picturing a petulant little boy king. You've got to tell me. Compliment me. Compliment me. Don't hit me. Compliment me. Tell me three of your favorite things about me and then tell me four more. (laughs) Interesting. So I think, oh, God. That that would also add on to the camp. You've got uh, uh, other adventurers, maybe, uh, or uh, really other creatures in general who have wandered into the Nilbog camp and tried to just defeat the Nilbog um, and are now its slaves, more or less. You just have, like, fangirls of, of the Nilbog that are hanging around the camp. That could help spruce up a CR1 encounter. Like, say, you've got a bugbear that worships him. You've got a, uh, a chain devil. I don't know. You name it. Really dig through the monster stat log. Anything that fits the terrain you're in. Um, could be afflicted with Nilbogism and basically be fangirling the Nilbog. I, I think that's what happened to Jorgis. Jorgis ain't dead. He's just, he's wearing nothing but underpants because he's given them <laughs> to the Nilbog. And, <laughs> he's uh, given all of his clothes over. <laughs> he's worshipping the he, Nilbog he along with these a, goblins. He wears a rough spun potato sack tunic that has a crude etching of the Nilbog on it. And it's like Nilbog number one. I I like to imagine that that might, if the party just rushes in, that might be the first indication that something weird is going on, which is that they find Jargus. He's wearing nothing but this potato sack and he's eating a shoe. <laughs> I've got to guess that fishing pole is the Nilbog's. That sounds yes. like a Nilbog item. Super trickster item. I, Super trickster item. I'm guessing the uh, whip is probably provided by the town. As like, a, you know, use this when you get their leader. and Bring him to me. Yeah. yeah, you could have like a retired bounty hunter or something in town. It's like, you know, I, I ain't got no use for this. Maybe the auditor gives it to you so that you can bring him proof. Of the goblins. That's perfect. I like the idea of an auditor, a, an auspiciously nerdy gentleman, <laughs> retrieving from his red robes the handcuff-o-matic. Well, now, someone's never been investigated by the IRS, because last time I was, uh, immediately, this guy in a suit just put me in handcuffs and said, no, show me your tax forms. <laughs> and you were like, well, I'd love to, but... And then you held up the handcuffs with a... <laughs> A comedic smirk. Uh, then they waterboarded you, right? Mm-hmm. Then hooked me up to a car battery. Uh, <laughs> and that's where I stand today. Uh, yeah, I think I think when you find Jargus, you're probably, you're un- under the impression that something weird has happened because this dude's mind appears to be scrambled. But uh, you're probably under, start to realize that, hey, these goblins aren't fighting me. Jargus is alive. Something fishy's going on here. And that's when the fishing pole... Or not the fishing pole, the lure lands right in front of you and the Nilbog shows its face. At any point in here, is it is it easy to discern the mayor's scheme when you're in the once you're in the goblin camp? Is there any kind of like smoking gun that proves the goblins didn't even take the shit? I mean, I think. Maybe the fact that they don't even fucking have it. Yeah, (laughs) they don't have it. And then probably. I mean, what do goblins normally take from caravans? I assume that there's. Because goblins would normally take everything from what I know. 
So maybe it's just like only the valuable things have been stolen if they find the caravan. I don't know. Yeah, okay. That makes sense, yeah. Like there's food and shit that's left in it. Right, stuff that the stuff that the goblins would have likely stolen. And, yeah, okay. and the caravan driver's body is still there. Because I think goblins tend to eat people meat, right? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, goblins, goblins are cannibals. Yeah, so the driver and the horse are still there. Just decomposing. Okay. Yeah. All of that should be pretty, pretty easy indicators. Um, and these are all things that you would point out to your party. Uh, these little fun trivia facts. If they rolled a decent investigation, which I think you could run into that caravan. I mean, I don't think it has to be, but I think if I were doing it, I would make it optional. Like, you know, you can, it's going to be nearby the goblin cave because obviously that's part of the scheme. Uh, so if it were me, I'd be like, well, the goblin cave's there. And then if someone pipes up like, oh, I'd like to check the caravan, please. Then I'd be like, ooh, <laughs> you've fallen directly into my plot trap. What a polite little Nigel at your yeah, table, first of all. Yeah, that's none of you guys. Uh, we all know you're cool, rude dudes. <clears throat> all right. Ben? Yeah? I feel like we've got an adventure put together. I think we do, too. I think now, we should. Now, I want to... Hmm? I've asked you a lot of questions today, and I'm not going to stop now. What do you want to call this one? Yeah, I don't know, because I was... Gobbled up. Gobbled but it's inst- up is interesting. How do we feel about gobbled up? What about what about gobbled up hyphen audit? Yes. <laughs> you've no, you've you've won me. You've won. I don't I can't believe we didn't work in the auditor <laughs> in any of these approaches. <laughs> <laughs> like how we so many the of- auditor is non is not optional. <laughs> the caravan is an optional location, the auditor is not optional. So many of our uh our titles just end up being thing colon other thing it's just it's a great excuse to have two titles it one is. of which does not have to have much legwork ben well done another adventure for the I've, books i've gotta say this is episode what six i i feel like the first five episodes if you're kind of middling on whether or not this was gonna be good as i have in every intro except for this one uh this one feels useful this one does feel useful this is one that i would enjoy both running and playing and we can't discount the fact that it was thanks to viewers like you. Yeah. And also Jack and Brittany, who have uh, subsidized half of the, our lists. The real, uh, honestly, the real backbone of this podcast. And they'll never come back on this show yeah, again because they, they hate us. They hate us now. Our theme song, Alitavera del Guliere by Morgan the Bard, is our theme song. Uh, and what's his status right now? F- defunct. God, um, it was... I was really hoping he came back to life this week. <laughs> well, I didn't say he was dead, just that the band isn't together. I mean, he's a one-man no, band. Fair. You just said that his his IP uh-huh. is um is defunct, uh, which means, folks, just someone go pick up the mantle. I'm sure he has a loot that's sitting somewhere around in Italy. He's like uh, Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, if you would like to send us suggestions, as we said at the top of the show, you can do so at D and D Pod on Twitter. Reach out, please. And if you want to help out, uh, we also have uh, rating and reviewing us. Doing so through iTunes is going to be a huge help in these first couple months. Share us with all your friends who would enjoy this. Um, If they're really into just badminton and that's their whole thing, first of all, good for them for having a niche. But second, don't really share this with them. I I don't know if they're going to get it. You can. As long as you don't. 
If you do share it with them, do not tell them that they can review it. Yeah. Oh, God. Sh- shelter just, that. Just kind of show just kinda, it through like Spotify or it, something. They can't rate it. Just, just put it on when you're in the car with them. But don't let them know that we're on iTunes. Just say you were given this podcast by someone down by the local McDonald's. And don't pick this episode because they're going to be on to you. Uh, We still need a sign-off. Is it too late to start over? (laughs) Yes. Yes.